So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. It is such a transition going from being in season to going to recapping the old episodes. Not because I don't thoroughly enjoy watching these, but it is just very jarring going from current day to 2011. Yeah, it's a big jump back in time. Also, the episodes that we're going to be talking about today, which in a second I'll outline for you guys how this episode is going to go down, It was a very, very pivotal moment in Kim's life. Like What we are talking about here was the beginning of her realizing that this Chris Humphreys marriage was not going to work out. And I think I just didn't remember that we really got to process it with her in real time. Like You are getting to witness her starting to have the thoughts internally, then deciding she's going to voice them first to Chris, then to Chloe. And what we're about to see in the episodes that come after this is, I mean, her just letting it rip and and realizing there's no way this is going to work. It's funny because it's not even like it's the real-time realization. It's the real-time admitting of something that she realized a while ago and having to come to terms with it. And it's just so fascinating to watch. My other takeaway from these episodes, which I think is so funny going back to the point about like going from in-season to now the old episodes, is I have an entirely different perspective of the relationship between Kim, Courtney, and Chloe, because that was also a huge topic of conversation throughout these episodes. Now that we just came off of that season, because talk about like the world's biggest dynamic shifts. I mean, it is unbelievable the way that Courtney was the middle. She was the middle ground for so many years. Yeah. I mean, and at least in these episodes, but I texted you this and I stand by it, which we can discuss more as we get into the episodes. But looking back on these episodes, I was like, I can't believe this is the version of Kim that Courtney liked. And the current version of Kim is the one that she has an issue with. Like, if anything, this should be the version of Kim that she really has an issue with. I know. It really does go to show you that when someone is so unhappy in their own life, they can really become pretty unbearable to be around because Kim was so miserable in this marriage. And the way that that just impacted every other relationship in her life was so telling. Beyond. Before we start, do you want to just give your little disclaimer about being sick? Because I know if you don't, when we're listening back in the editing process, you're going to text me and be like, are you sure we can put out this episode or do I sound too bad? Do you think I sound too bad? No, I just know that you're going to do that. Um, Yeah, I am a little sick. I was actually hoping that if I didn't acknowledge it, it just like would go away. I was actually manifesting being not sick anymore, but I guess that didn't work. So disclaimer, I apologize about my voice. I am a little sick, but we are certainly on the road to recovery. Okay, well, let me give you guys a little bit of a roadmap as to how we think this episode is going to go down, although knowing that could totally change given the conversations we get into, the tangents we get into. In this moment, we have Courtney and Kim take New York season two, episodes five, six, seven, and eight outlined. So we got about 16 pages of outline in front of us, although I just have a feeling we're not going to be so outline heavy and it'll be a little bit more abstract conversation, specifically given the fact that episode five, that's a two-minute conversation. Like We are not going to engage in these plot lines. Episodes six, seven, and eight is when we start to get more into the Chris and Kim stuff. But really, the core of what we're talking about here, with the exception of some of the sister dynamics, is really just Kim's journey of, of coming to this realization. Also, something really important to keep in mind as we go over these episodes is that these were all filmed probably around October of 2011. And come October 31st, 2011, Kim will have filed for divorce. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing we got to keep in mind here. They were married August 20th, 2011, and she filed for divorce October 31st, 2011. So when they say 72 days, they mean 72 days and not one second over. So, you know, in some ways you're watching this and it feels maybe like it's happening quickly. And over the course of just a few episodes, she's having this realization to the point where she's about to do something about it. But it really was happening that quick in real life. I mean, you know, for a wedding that so much went into it in terms of just the extensiveness of the planning process and the money and and all of it, aside from the production value and everything associated with the show, what we got to see of the actual marriage was very short-lived. Incredibly short-lived, but as you watch these two navigate living together and keeping in mind that they never even lived alone together, the entire time they had been married, they had had the buffer there of Scott and Courtney living with them and Mason. But What you see over the course of their very, very short marriage is there is not one second that goes by where Kim is not so beyond annoyed and irritated by Chris's mere existence. It's not like you're watching somebody's marriage deteriorate in real time because I think that the idea of it deteriorating means that it's starting at a solid place. It was never at a solid place. She was annoyed with him from the start. She was annoyed with him before they even got married, but... What you're watching is that annoyance just continue to build and build and build until she finally has to admit that, like, holy fuck, I made the worst mistake of my life. Right. And, you know, what's really interesting about it, and we will get more into this as the episodes go on, is that the thing that ultimately made her realize that she had to get out of this wasn't necessarily how much she was annoyed by him and how much she was acknowledging that she basically disliked him. It was her realization that she was changing in terms of the way she interacted with the other people closest to her. Like the misery that this marriage was causing her was then making her act so poorly to the people that she really was closest to. And that, I think if you really had to pinpoint it, that was the thing that kind of made her take a step back. Because if it wasn't so negatively impacting the people around her and she didn't feel so shitty about herself because of that, I think it's possible she maybe would have stayed in this a little bit longer. Which, by the way, thank God she didn't because one day married to this guy was one day too many. But I certainly think it's possible that if it wasn't getting to the point where it was so bad that she was being so mean to the people she loved the most, she maybe would have tried to stick it out a little more. Well, that in conjunction with the realization of how much better she felt when he wasn't there and how much freer and lighter and just the lack of his presence more than his actual presence was really the biggest factor for her too. No, I mean, it really hit for her and for me when she was in the car in Dubai with Kris Jenner. And she just realized like, oh shit, not only do I not miss him, I am so deeply thrilled about our time apart. And I think that that's concerning. Oh my God. Okay. We have to get into this. Okay, so episode five, which I'm telling you right now, we are going to glaze over this one. Three major plot lines, Scott buying a piano for their hotel room at the Gansvort, Courtney turning into an extreme couponer, and third, Chris really questioning Jonathan on his sexuality, speculating about him being gay. Just one of the cringier episodes I think we have seen and something that quite literally would never fly today. Like You are watching this specifically with a 2023 lens, and not that it was kosher at the time, but to watch it now, it was very shocking that someone would act this way. I mean, I think this was the realization that everybody had when they were like, oh, Chris is more than just annoying. He's actually the fucking worst. Also, something funny from this episode is Courtney attempting to become an extreme couponer, which is only funny in light of the conversation that Courtney had with Kim in this most recent season in terms of telling Kim that she operates in a place of too much excess that it's never enough. And honestly, if I was Courtney, I would have been like, and I have the right to bring this up because I one time actually tried to get into couponing when we were already famous. This is the kind of episode, though, that elicits a reaction side of me of like, if you weren't riding with them during Courtney's completely made up extreme couponing plotline, you don't deserve them at their Dolce Vita lifestyle fight. Because this is the kind of episode where it's almost insulting that they're getting us to try to get on board with this. I know, but I also feel in that sense where it's like, you don't deserve them at their Dolce Vita lifestyle fight because you don't even understand the roots that got us here. Like, yes, the Courtney thing with the couponing was so stupid and so ridiculous, but also there's this very common knowledge if you've watched the show for long enough that Courtney is the quote cheapest of all of them. And that is one of the things that is very specific to her and that they will say in interviews all of the time. And so, yes, it was a ridiculous, dumb plot line, but it was still an on-brand plot line. To an extent. I mean, they were, they were reaching here. 
Of course. But I mean, listen, had it lasted more than one episode, I would have said I can't even give this the time of day. But because it was one stupid plot thrown into a stupid episode, I can just give it a little bit of life and move on from it. I mean, in terms of the Chris Jonathan plotline, I don't even want to validate Chris's existence or his behavior in this episode with a real discussion on it, because I think this is just objectively disgusting behavior. And I'm sure if you watch this episode, you felt the same way, just deeply uncomfortable, uncomfortable on Jonathan's behalf, in shock that someone would act this way, his complete ignorance, the unwillingness to respect someone's boundaries, just the constant prying. I mean, it was a terrible watch. And Again, it's not like it's coming from the perspective of Jonathan Stans, but I don't care who the person on the receiving end is. No one is deserving of this type of line of questioning, specifically about something that they've made it abundantly clear they don't want to talk about. And I, I could not believe the way that Chris would just not stop. And it's so, not to say that Kim wasn't horrified, she was, but like she wasn't horrified enough. You know, like I don't even think it was hitting for all of them just how inappropriate this really was. Kim wasn't horrified to the extent that she needed to be because she was still in this episode attempting to pretend that nothing was wrong and that Chris wasn't bothering her to the extent that he was because it's not until the next couple of episodes when it comes up where she's really willing to say, he's driving me crazy. And so, yes, she was annoyed with him and yes, she told him to stop, but to really admit the extent to which she was so deeply bothered by her own husband, I think was something that she just wasn't able to do yet. And unfortunately for her friend, not that she wasn't protecting Jonathan, but she just wasn't protecting him to the extent that she needed to as a result of like concealing her own problems. Yeah, and you really saw that the most in her interactions with Chris when it's with Jonathan or Chloe or someone else that he isn't getting along with. Her trying to play that was not something that was easy and not something that she was great at. But yeah, this whole plotline, it was just wrong and offensive and disgusting. And I could not believe someone would operate in this way, would interact in this way, wasn't so embarrassed and uncomfortable by making someone else so uncomfortable. And like, if you watched it, you felt the same way we did of just like, cannot believe this happened, this aired, any of it. It was some shit that would never, ever, ever fly today. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and... Every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. 
Okay, so moving on to episode six, which is also kind of a means to an end because we're really going to focus our energy on episode seven and eight. But in episode six, we have Kim and Courtney feeling like they just need an escape from New York. They head up to Connecticut for a girl's weekend getaway. And we then have Scott and Chris left to their own devices in New York. They end up taking a trip to Toronto because Chris has an appearance there. A tale as old as time. They get too drunk. They don't tell the girls. They don't love it whatever like there's really for the purposes of this episode we don't have to get too much into it the thing that i want to mention here is that this episode opens up with kim and courtney going to a barry's boot camp workout in the city and they're in the class running on the treadmill and there's just paparazzi hounding them they walk outside paparazzi nonstop, and that's really the catalyst for them saying you know what this is too much the paparazzi in new york is so much worse than la we just got to get out of here and get ourselves a quiet weekend but i always love seeing scenes like this because this is around the time when the paparazzi thing like at this point there was no going back it was only going to get more and more and so you know yeah here they're standing outside of the workout class that they're in filming them but a year from now they're not doing public workout classes for this exact reason it's like it's just so unbelievable to be able to really pinpoint when their fame started to skyrocket to a point where it was impacting their day-to-day lives in terms of just doing the things that they normally did Yeah, I mean, and we'll get into that in terms of their fame in the next episode when Kim goes to Dubai because she lists that as like a very specific turning point in their fame. And so what you're also dealing with on top of everything else with her marriage is the exact intersection of when this marriage is going to go awry and also when they're becoming a different level of famous. She also is soon to, you know, enter a relationship with Kanye in the following months after this divorce with Chris. And so the fame that you're watching right now in this current point of time where they're being harassed by paparazzi kind of every episode, they're always around anytime they go outside where it's starting to kind of get to them is only really the beginning of what is to fully come. That's what I'm saying. You know, when they walk out and Courtney makes a comment to the paparazzi of like, oh my God, can't you guys just give us space? Like you really got to do it in our workout, something like that. You're sitting there being like, you have no idea what is coming for you. It's funny because Courtney makes a comment where she's like, I really don't mean to complain about my life because I love it so much, but the paparazzi are starting to get to me. And you can see also in this moment, she's kind of still in the Kim Kardashian school of fame where it's like, don't complain. Even if the paparazzi are annoying, we ask for this. Where in a couple of years, she's going to be in a completely different school of thought, which is like, I didn't ask to be famous. I'm not meant to be famous and I don't want these paparazzi around me at all. So there's a complete mind shift change for her. Whereas also what's really funny too is watching her and Scott together because while it is the Kim Kardashian school of fame, it's also her and her relationship with Scott where he interacts with those paparazzi so well. He walks outside that Gansvoort hotel and he sees them outside and he is thrilled to have them there. He wants to take them with him throughout the city all day. They want, he wants them there when he's buying a piano. He wants them there when he's walking down the street. He fucking loves it. And so it is also interesting watching their relationship with the paparazzi change, not just their interactions with them. Well, I think that, and I don't know if this is because at this point, Scott is a couple of years younger. I don't know if it's because he's finally in this fame where he's really in the family's good graces. And even though things with Courtney aren't great, they're significantly better than they were specifically in comparison to what's going on with Kim and Chris. Like if you've been watching up until this point, things are pretty good for Scott, relatively speaking. And so I think kind of what we're seeing from him here, and I know that this changes as the seasons go on and there's a lot of high points and there are a lot of low points. It's like, He's kind of in a good place and he's just running with it. The paparazzi want to follow him? Fine. He wants to go to Toronto for a weekend with Chris? Fine. He's kind of in this phase of his life right now where he's like, fuck it, let's see what happens. And watching that, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate it because with the exception of this little Toronto stunt that he pulls where he runs away with Chris and gets pretty fucked up in this club and doesn't tell Courtney that he's leaving, which ends up, by the way, like not being that big of a fight between them. That episode aside, Scott's really at his best in the season. Well, and, and again, I'm not saying that we wouldn't have thought that regardless, but specifically having Chris Humphreys there is oh, almost yeah. like a paid actor. If I'm Scott Disick, I want Chris Humphreys around at all times because no matter how badly I'm fucking up, whatever he's doing is not only worse, but it is objectively more annoying. Yeah. Yeah. 
again, we're going to move on from this and really focus on episode seven and eight because that is definitely the more valuable content here. But I just want to say in terms of the conclusion of this episode, it ends with both Courtney and Kim talking to Scott and Chris just about how upsetting it is that they went to Toronto without telling them. And with Courtney and Scott, it actually ends up being a pretty pleasant interaction where you know Scott admits he was totally in the wrong and Courtney doesn't freak out. It's relatively tame. But I think what's interesting about the conversation between Kim and Chris is that Yes, she was upset about this particular instance, but it was also that she was trying to communicate to him the general idea of like, we are married. I am your wife now. And so it's not even like, I'm upset that you betrayed my trust, which I am. I'm upset that it came so naturally to you, that it comes more naturally to you to not do the thing that you need to be doing as my husband than it does to just lean into married life and do the normal expected thing, which is we keep each other updated about our whereabouts. And he even says in his confessional, you know, I think there's a part of me that's just like not really used to being married. And that is, I would say, probably the greatest acknowledgement of the whole situation we're going to get from him. He's by no means self-aware enough to really address what's going on here, but he does have that one moment in the confessional when he's like, I just don't really think I'm that good at this whole thing yet. Well, the thing with Chris is that it's not that he is new to marriage and is adjusting to it, it's that he goes out of his way to do things to purposely prove that marriage hasn't changed him or that Kim isn't going to be able to change him or that he's not going to be like all the other Kardashian men in the family. And so it's not just that he's not used to having to tell somebody where he's going and what he's doing. It's that he's purposely not doing it in order to prove a point that he doesn't have to do it. And it's something that we see constantly from him, you know, these little displays, at times little, at times a little bit more major, maybe the more minor end of the spectrum would be leaving clothes around because he knows it bothers Kim, maybe more major end of the spectrum is jetting off to Toronto with Scott to do an appearance after he told Kim explicitly that he wasn't going to go. But these little things to establish dominance, to remind himself of his independence, and it's like, forget about no way to live. If I'm Kim, it's so deeply unsustainable, which it clearly was. I mean, she lasted for exactly 72 days. And even that, I'm shocked she lasted that long. But he is so unwilling to not even compromise. Like, I don't even want to be as generous to use the word compromise. He's so unwilling to exist in any sort of a healthy or like seamless partnership. Well, it's the reason the marriage was never going to work out because he doesn't want to be married. He doesn't want to be in a partnership. He wants to exert his dominance. And so his way of doing that was to marry somebody who was an established, strong, business-minded woman and see how much he could take her down with him. It was almost like this marriage was a test for him. It's like, take Kim Kardashian and let me see if I can make her a housewife. Let me see if I can exert my dominance over her. And so he didn't want to be married. That's not what he wanted here. It wasn't, and it's so clear in these episodes that he really existed in this marriage to like prove himself as a man. Which I actually cannot think of a type of person more infuriating to be married to. Like already the idea of marrying someone and you are kind of with this person, I don't want to use the word stuck because the idea of that does excite me, but like, you know, (laughs) kind of are stuck with this person to then have said person have their entire mission in life to be consistently establishing their dominance and their masculinity over you. Like, uh, no, that's, that is an immediate no. And thank God she got out of this. And not to mention his insistence on taking Scott down with him. Like every time Scott's at his best, there comes Chris Humphreys along trying to, you know, be the devil on his other shoulder. But let's get into the other episode because this is when things like really, really heat up between them. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, not as they really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com promo code CELEBS. 
Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, so the major plot of episode seven is Kim going to Dubai with Kris Jenner for the opening of Millions and Milkshakes. And back in New York, not only do we have Kris left with Courtney and Scott, but Chloe is in town, which as we know, the relationship between Chloe and Kris is very rocky. It's not as bad as it once was back in the day, you know, when the engagement party was going on, but it is certainly not great. And so we have Kim in Dubai starting to realize that not only does she not miss Chris at all, she's deeply enjoying her time away from him. And this is starting to get her to realize, holy shit, I may have made a huge mistake. And then at the same time, we have Chloe back in New York attempting to bond with Chris in a way that it is just proving to be nearly impossible. You think that's fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what Chris really shows in this episode is just a complete lack of care. Like you would think somebody who has already married in what is done is done, would say, okay, I'm in this position. This is now my family, whether I like it or not. Let me at least fake it till I make it. And he can't even do that. And we will obviously get more into that, but kind of the side plot here, which really was the main plot of the episode, just given everything going on with Kim and Chris, it almost took a back seat, is that the reason that Kim and Chris were going to Dubai was for the opening of Millions of Milkshakes. And what we're seeing here is that this is one of their first experiences of just getting to witness the way a crowd goes absolutely wild for them. And, you know, when we're watching it now, of course, this is a reaction that they elicit constantly, but this was the beginning of it. And it's something that really stuck with Kim because she has spoken about it in recent history. As recently as 2019, she was doing an interview with New York Magazine and she was asked, you know, when she realized that she made it. And she said, quote, so I'd say 2010, 2011 was like, I'll do anything, cupcakes, milkshakes. So I go to a milkshake place in Dubai thinking, oh, it's just, you know, some little milkshake store. Maybe like 250,000 people showed up to Dubai Mall. I've never seen anything like it before. We had to sneak out the back. I mean, I took videos of the thousands, hundreds of thousands of people at the mall in Dubai. My mom and I looked at each other because I made her come with me and we were like, holy shit, what is going on? A milkshake place? Which just is a total sign out that's kind of irrelevant. It wasn't actually hundreds of thousands of people. There's actually an asterisk in the New York Magazine article that says it was more like thousands of people. But still, regardless, as you'll see from just watching this episode, there were a lot of people here and they were so beyond excited to be in the presence of Kim and Chris. And you could tell they were freaking out. Like they were very calm about it. Obviously, I think that they commanded the room perfectly, but you could tell that I think they were in disbelief that this was the reaction that they were getting. I really understand why that was an experience that stuck with Kim. I mean, first of all, they're staying at the Atlantis in Dubai in this incredible suite, which not that they hadn't had incredible hotel experiences before, but I really think that, you know, this is one of the first times where they were being put up in the suite as a guest of the country, not just like on a really nice family vacation. So there was like a little bit of the difference there in terms of the way they were being treated for their time and their appearance on top of the amount of people that showed up to welcome them, the amount of people that were so excited to see them. And it's it's funny that like Kim's memory, even to this day, is that there were 250,000 people there. Because logically, that number is too big to be true to fit inside of the mall. That That is multiple stadiums worth of people. But in Kim's mind at that age and at that time in her fame, it was such an overwhelming amount of people that it was almost like 
her memory of the event shaped the facts of the event. And I can understand from her perspective, even watching this episode, how that number kind of came to be. I mean, this is Dubai. For all they know, you know, they didn't really have an understanding of what people in Dubai thought of them. They didn't have an understanding of what their presence was like overseas. And now all of a sudden they're being like almost slapped in the face with it. And again, I say all of that happening at the same time as her marriage to Chris is kind of falling apart is such a huge deal because he also was not supportive of her fame. He was wanting to her to give it up. He was saying to her, you know, when we move to Minnesota in a couple of years, no one's going to even remember your name. And here she is with this very stark realization and understanding of like, oh, that's not the case at all. Like, this is only just beginning. And I actually think, kind of going off of what you said, not to say that she wouldn't have divorced Chris regardless, because there was no scenario in which she was staying married to him. And as I said earlier, certainly I think one of the things that got her to do it maybe more quickly than she would have was her realization of the way that she was treating the people closest around her because of how miserable she was. At the same time, though, I think having this real surge of fame and just getting to see instances like this where in real life she is seeing the reaction that just her sheer presence elicits, like, I don't want to say it equipped her with a confidence to be able to do the thing of filing for divorce, but I certainly think it was helpful. And like, you know, there had to be this part of her that really trusted I can stand on my own. And I think she would have felt that way because she has a very supportive family and she was a very confident person. But I think also having this type of like palpable support and just getting to see the influence she was having, there's a part of me that feels as though, not that that was a catalyst, but it, there was something there that that contributed. Oh, definitely. Also, just to your point about, you know, them staying at, at that hotel and, and really experiencing the luxury, I even noticed that when Kim was on the flight, because her and Chris flew separately, Chris was coming from LA, you see she's on the phone with Chris and she's like, oh my God, mom, you're going to die from first class. They have everything. Like, it's so crazy to me now knowing that Kim flies everywhere on Kim Air with her cashmere seats and flying private isn't just a thing she sometimes does. Flying private is the default. Flying commercial is not something in the cards for her anymore. It's like to watch the same Kim Kardashian 12 years ago be so enthused and excited by a first class flight is like so not something we would ever see from her now. It really is like, whoa, what a difference 12 years makes. And that's why I think the journey of being on this with them and having watched it from the beginning is so special is because like there are such tangible examples of... <laughs> I don't want to say like where they've come to where they are now because where they started out was not too fucking shabby, but it really, really highlights the empire that they've built from a place that like an empire shouldn't have been built. Yes. It shouldn't have been the case that Kim was married to this loser, this loser NBA player and freaking out over a first class trip to Dubai and then you know, the appearance that she ends up doing is at this little milkshake stand to like now what they have built. Like there's just no reason that those two things should even be connected. It's so cool to have been on this journey with them. It really is. Like it, it just makes witnessing their success hit so different. Also, we're really going to focus on the Dubai of it all, but just to flash back to New York for a second, we see, as I said, Chloe in New York, and now it's Chloe, Courtney, Scott, Mason, and Chris. And Chloe's making it her mission to try to bond with Chris, and we just see nothing's working. Like they decide they're going to take Mason to the zoo. Chris comes with them, and he just has a barrier to connection. And even when Chloe is trying to talk to him one on one, it's just so difficult. And it's like, what I think, and we will get more into this as we get into the next episode, but what I found to be so interesting here is like, you see, at this point, Chloe is really trying. Like she has put her pride aside and she can't stand the guy, but she sees the reality, which is my sister's married to him. I'm already on bad terms with my sister. Like the least that I can do is try to get on board with him. And I think that going from genuinely trying to seeing how near impossible it is to then in a pretty short amount of time, Kim having the realization that this isn't going to work. It's very admirable that Chloe didn't lean into just like pure validation of like, I fucking told you because she could have so heavily if she wanted to. And we'll see again in this next episode, like she really leans immediately into just the full-blown support, protection, putting her pride aside. There was no ego in her being able to put her guard down and fully support Kim. Well, because I think it was also such a relief for her. I think Chloe's bigger concern, which she wasn't really saying here, was she knew that this fight with Kim was eventually going to blow over. Like she was upset and she wanted Kim to apologize and she wanted Kim to realize that she was wrong. But she knew that eventually they were 
going to work it out because they always do. What I think she was really concerned about was that if Kim stayed married to Chris Humphreys and her and Chris Humphreys continued to have this really, really volatile relationship and she really couldn't stand being around her sister's husband, then if Kim didn't see that, it was really going to start to affect her relationship with Chloe far beyond just a small little petty fight. It was going to really have damage that couldn't be undone. And so I think that when Kim said to her, like, here's what's been going on, that was the ultimate relief for Chloe. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which we will get more into, obviously, in the next episode. I just want to flash back to Dubai for a second, because when this really starts to hit in terms of connecting these two plot points, Kim is doing press interviews and the reporter asked her about her experience in Dubai. She's like, I cannot wait to bring my sisters back here. And the reporter then asks if she would be interested in bringing her new husband. And you see her kind of pause and in her confessional, she says, I really had to take a second to think about it. I feel like this huge weight has been lifted off my shoulders since I've been here in Dubai. I don't know if it's having a long time being away from my husband, but I feel like I'm back to myself. I'm really enjoying this feeling. And we then flash in real time to her at dinner with Chris at Nobu. Kim's kind of quiet. Chris asks her what she's thinking about. And in her confessional, she says, I feel really guilty that I'm enjoying myself in Dubai away from my husband. It's refreshing to be out here. I feel like, I don't know, like I should talk to my mom about how I'm feeling. Is this normal? I just feel alone and I'm just kind of confused about it. Which I want to pause for a second before we get into their actual conversation because I know, listen, we're watching a reality show in her confessional. It's all after the fact. But I do believe this was an internal thought process she was having. And like, there was an aspect to her that felt really embarrassed to kind of bring this up to Chris. And as we know, part of what she had said in years down the line when looking back on this was her, I don't know if you want to call it guilt, but part of her hesitation came from the fact that she knew how much went into the wedding. And specifically as it applies to Chris, like the only person more involved in the wedding planning process than Kim was Chris. And I think that that did play a role in terms of like, she knows the hell that they all went through to make this marriage even happen. That I I certainly think that contributed to her maybe really wanting to be sure she felt this way before voicing it. Right. And I also think that Chris was kind of the only one that was fully on board with this. Everybody else had their reservations that they had said to Kim during the planning process, specifically Chloe. But as we did these recaps, it was really Chris, we noticed, who was just so focused and so intent on Kim being married and kind of living this life that not only Kim really wanted, Kim really wanted to be married, Kim really wanted to have kids, but that's also what Chris wanted for her. And so Chris continuously turned a blind eye to everything. She was so enthused by the wedding planning process and so happy to see her daughter get married. She wasn't bringing up these concerns to Kim prior to the wedding. And so I think that also there's this moment that Kim has now where it's like, okay, I'm now about to tell the only person who really believed in me during this process that like we were both wrong. And also, once you say it out loud, whether it's to Chris, Chloe, Courtney, Allison, Sad, or no matter who it is, once you say it out loud, it becomes real. Whereas up until this point, she has been able to convince herself, no, it's just a feeling, it'll pass. Once you put that out just into the universe, it's a whole different beast. Oh, yeah, because that's also one of the things that was weighing on Kim. It's not just this feeling of... I'm so miserable in my marriage and it's weighing on me heavily. It's I'm so miserable in my marriage. It's weighing on me heavily. And because of that fact, I am now harboring a secret from everybody else that I am unable to tell everybody how I truly feel. That's that weight that Kim is feeling. Right. Which is like deeply isolating. When you keep things in like that, it, it just naturally breeds isolation. But okay. So now Chris and Kim are in the car. They're talking about how amazing of a trip it's been. And In her confessional, Kim says, we're leaving today and I had so much fun, but our time flew by way too quickly. Chris then asks her if she's excited to get home to her husband. And Kim kind of pauses and is like, hmm. Chris goes, hello. And Kim says, I mean, not really. I don't know. I can't really explain it. Like, I feel a sense of relief that I'm here. I mean, I've been wanting to kind of talk to you about this and I've just been afraid to stress you out, but there's something in my relationship that I just feel like isn't right. I don't know. I'm just learning a lot of things about him that I didn't really know before. And I don't know. Married life just isn't what I thought it would be with him. I mean, is this normal? Should I be feeling this way? I just feel like something's off. And Chris says, no, Kim, it's not normal. It really isn't normal to feel like you don't want to go home to your brand new husband. This is a stage of your relationship where you should be obsessed with each other and you miss each other. And Kim then asks Chris how she was with Robert, her dad. And she says, your dad and I were obsessed with each other. I didn't want him to even go to work. I mean, I was so excited for at least 10 years. And the way I felt is the way that you should feel. You should be so into the person that you're married to. And Kim then says in her confessional, I've had this like amazing calmness and relief since I've been here in Dubai and my mom's telling me how I'm feeling isn't normal. And that does worry me a little bit. 
And Chris then says to her, it's about what you're feeling in your heart and your head, Kim, and you kind of have to figure that out. I mean, for Chris to say, no, Kim, that's not normal. Like, where were you before the wedding? Because none of this was normal prior to it either. But that's the thing. Chris really had such a one-track mind with this wedding. It's like, not to say she was ignoring Kim's emotional needs, but I would say Kim's emotional needs were directly on par, if not a little bit less than the desire to complete this production of a wedding. What's really interesting to think about is that Chris, I don't know if it's, no, it's Kim that said in her Letterman interview that one time that Chris said to her the night before the wedding, like they could call it off. And Kim was the one that said like, no, we have to go through with this. So there was that little bit of an understanding that Chris had of like, this may not be the best thing, but it was, it was kind of too late at the point where she was able to admit that to both herself and to Kim. And so I don't think that any of this now as they're having this conversation is coming as a shock to Chris. There's no moment of Chris processing this being like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you don't want to go back to your husband? Like, that's your husband. That's the love of your life. It was more so like, no, Kim, this isn't normal. And like, I can see that you don't want to do that. And I'm not surprised by it. There's no amount of shock on Chris's face right now. There's no amount of shock on anyone's face. No, no, no. And I think if I'm Kim, I don't want to say the fact that people are unfazed. They're not unfazed, but the fact that they are not reacting with this pure shock is probably deeply comforting. Because it's it's like, okay, so you guys are seeing this shit too. It's like a lack of shock and also like, <laughs> like everybody's really hopeful that like you really are willing to go through with ending this marriage and you're not as happy as you say are because they don't want Chris in this family. No. And again, Chris Jenner did. Like there was a time where she did and- <laughs> You can tell here she was uh, not at all opposed to the idea of him being out, I guess is a good way to put it. Yeah. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Sum 41, Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like, I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so moving on to episode eight, which this is really the episode specifically towards the end when we get that full admission from Kim that not only is something not right, but she can't really do this anymore, which we will get into. The other plots here are Courtney and Scott and their sleeping arrangement, which we can briefly touch on. It's not that it's not interesting. It's just in the scheme of things, we have bigger fish to fry here. And also, you know, the continuation of Kim and Chloe's fight, which as we'll see, ends in, I don't want to say a beautiful way because what Kim's going through is definitely not beautiful, but it ends or gets resolved in a way that really takes the focus off of that and is so much more focused on what's going on with her and Chris. My main takeaway from this episode, aside from everything going on with Kim and Chris, it was just how on brand Chloe was. Like she comes to town and she is just the problem solver. And even though her fight with Kim kind of lasts throughout this episode and they're really having their issues, 
the second that, you know, Kim opens up to her, like Chloe goes right back into Chloe mode. Like Chloe is comforting her. Chloe is telling her it's going to be okay. She, you know, gets close to her and she's talking it through with her. When it comes to Courtney and Scott, which we're not going to fully get into, it's like she is sitting there ready to problem solve the fuck out of that situation. And so it was just everything about Chloe in this episode was just so Chloe. Well, it's funny because, you know, the last time she had spoken to Courtney and Scott about their sleeping arrangements, it was in the Hamptons. And she felt like they really worked through some shit and they were going to try to sleep in the same bed. And, you know, she felt that they recognized or Courtney recognized how necessary that was for the intimacy of, of their relationship. So now she comes to New York and she didn't get her own hotel room because Courtney said that she could sleep in the spare room. Meanwhile, every night Scott is coming into Chloe's room to sleep on the pullout couch because she, he can't sleep in the bed with Courtney and Mason. And so it's almost like Chloe's coming to town and because the room she thought was going to be her room was now being shared with Scott, she's naturally inserted into the situation and she now has a leg to stand on in terms of like, guys, what the fuck is going on here? I thought we solved this. And so there's so much here because obviously, you know, we get to see really what's going on with Courtney and Scott. We get to be in their therapy session with Erica Jaffe where they're discussing just how difficult this is for both of them for different reasons. But also as kind of a side plot, which in the scheme of things takes a backseat, it's like these are the times when we get to see the way that Chloe and Scott's relationship has been built. Like current day, when we get to see on the Kardashians or otherwise the relationship that Chloe and Scott have, that doesn't exist without 12 years back, him sleeping on the pullout couch in her room in the Gansevoort because Courtney was kicking him out of bed. Like it, just the progression of their relationship is something I'm never not amazed by because this is the same guy that Chloe couldn't even stand to be in the same room as. And that's something that Scott says in this episode where they're kind of like fucking around with each other. And Scott says, if you would have told me a year ago that Chloe would be here and not only would I be enjoying her company and having fun with her, but actually like going to her for advice and wanting to spend time with her, I would have told you that was never going to happen. And I would say that the episode where they're in the Hamptons was a turning point in terms of Scott and Chloe really developing their relationship. I would say this episode was like pivotal in terms of them having the relationship they now have, like in terms of the full brother-sister relationship and how much they love and care for each other and how much they enjoy each other more than anything else. Like this episode was so pivotal for all of the relationships that they have. Like it was pivotal for Kim and Courtney's relationship in terms of you know, they had been living together all of this time and Courtney was really privy to seeing everything that was going on. Kim and Scott's relationship, because Scott comes in as the voice of reason and really gets Kim to realize a lot of things in the way that she's been acting. Chloe and Scott's relationship, Courtney and Scott's relationship, Chloe and Kim's relationship. Like this was a really big episode. Kim and Chris's relationship, like a lot got jammed into this one. Well, the Kim and Scott of it all is one of my favorite points because forget about him being the voice of reason. It was also just his style of communication. And like something we've spoken about in the past, specifically when it comes to Scott and Courtney, is that even many times when Scott was very much in the wrong, between the two of them, he was much more of an open and willing participant in terms of the conversation. Like Courtney just wasn't the best communicator. And that was something even the three sisters who are so, so, so close, their communication with each other wasn't the best at times. And here Scott comes in and like, he wasn't trained in the Kardashian school of communication. He came from a very different family dynamic and it was much more natural to him to just open up and say it was on his mind. And so in a few minutes when we will get into it, when he's talking to Kim, he's saying everything that everyone else wants to say, but hadn't been saying. Well, what my favorite thing about Scott in this episode was it was, it wasn't just that he was taking on that role of communicator because he knew he could get the point across. He was taking on that role of communicator because the issues within the family were starting to affect him on a personal level. Like He was getting very upset to see everybody fighting. He just wanted everybody to get along. And there was a version of Scott back in the day who would have said to Courtney, you and I, let's just avoid this bullshit. Let them duke it out. Let them fight it out. It's none of our business. It doesn't have to affect us. I don't want to be involved in your family shit. But instead, we get this version of Scott that is not only putting himself right in the center, solving it with his communication style, but is actually so upset and affected by the idea of his family fighting. But that's exactly what it is, identifying it as his family. It wasn't until now when Scott really felt like, okay, this is my family. He's in it. He's in it as much as anyone. Yeah. Okay. So this is something that we mentioned earlier, but I want to read it verbatim. 
you know, we now have Kim back in New York and she's really coming down off the high of being in Dubai, not only because of the way that she was greeted in terms of their appearance, but also frankly, just getting alone time from Chris. And so she's upstairs in their room cleaning and she yells down to Chris about how messy it is. And he's like, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. You don't have to clean. I was just trying to send you a message. And Courtney says, what's the message? Is it like a power message? Chris says, yeah, it's a power message. It's a dominance thing. And Courtney says in her confessional that you know, she's noticed ever since Kim got back from Dubai, things have been really weird between Kim and Chris. And she's like, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but it feels like they're constantly having this power struggle. And what Kim is saying in her confession, which is something we were mentioning earlier, she's like, everyone knows that I'm a neat freak, but every time I clean something, he messes it up. She's like, and I know he is doing it on purpose, which, oh my God, it's like, as if everything else wasn't so infuriating about this guy, this particular scene annoyed me maybe one of the most. Yeah, because it's like you guys don't even like each other. I mean, if you're going out of your way to do the one thing that annoys her the most, not for any other reason other than to annoy her, to drive her crazy, to prove some sort of dominance over her, like that has nothing to do with your marriage. It has nothing to do with how you want your marriage to be. It has nothing to do with like being the man in the relationship. You are literally doing something just to annoy her. Of course, Chris, when he goes off to Toronto and does it without telling Kim, even though they agreed that he wasn't going to go, is one of the most immature things he could have done. And one of the examples of him doing something just to prove his dominance over her, at least you can make the argument of like, he was trying to set the tone for their relationship in terms of what he can and can't do. And like not listening to being told that, yeah, it's a ridiculous thing to do. It's an immature thing to do, but at least it correlates to their relationship in some sort of a way. Him making things messy for the sole point of just annoying her and driving her crazy and doing the thing that she dislikes the most is like, this has nothing to do with you guys other than you just don't like each other. Yeah, they they deeply did not like one another and they were desperately trying to fit a square peg into a round hole until obviously they stopped, which, you know, the next few scenes, what we're seeing here, there's a bunch of different dynamics going on. It's primarily Kim and Chloe and how awkward that is, but then also Kim and Chris. And there are scenes where there are dinner with Joyce Minnelli, where there's Kim and Jonathan. And what they're discussing really is the Kim and Chloe of it all, number one, which is normally when they fight, they make up quickly, even if it's shoving it under the rug. And it's clearly something is more off here. But then on top of it, everyone just realizing that it's so uncomfortable to be around Chris and Kim, because there's never not tension. Like, I think what was happening is that they're having this realization, all of them, meaning everyone who spends time with Kim and Chris, that tension and kind of this strange dynamic is like the default setting. It's not like things are just weird right now. It's like, this is how it always is when Chris and Kim are together. And forget about that's not how it should be regardless. Like, specifically, that's not how it should be weeks following the wedding. Well, there's a point where, first of all, everyone starts to realize that once Chloe is in town, what's really happening? Because the issues that Kim is having with Chloe is only highlighting the issues that she's having with Chris. And everybody can so clear as day see that all of her frustration with Chris is being taken out on Chloe in a way that it wasn't being taken out on Courtney. You know, she's saying, I don't like how I am towards everybody in my life. Yeah, she was maybe a little short with people and, you know, maybe a little bit on a high horse and maybe not the warm person that she was, but it was really Chloe that was taking the full brunt of it. And the reason that Chloe was taking the full brunt of it is because she was the most prime example to Kim of how Kim had messed up in this relationship. Chloe was the one that was saying all along that this wasn't right. She was not on board with Chris Humphrey. She didn't like him. And so here's Chloe in town. Kim is questioning everything about her marriage. And here's this reminder of like everything that she had done wrong and the person who, you know, she could have listened to and gone out of this in the first place. And so I think that everybody kind of has this realization at the exact same time of like, yeah, this Kim and Chris thing is really weird, but like it's especially weird when you consider the Chloe of it all because you can really see across the board that something is just not right with Kim. Well, okay. And so then when they have these conversations, when it's Courtney, Kim, and Chloe, and Kim goes in, there's this very awkward interaction. She like kind of pseudo apologizes. It's very insincere. Chloe's not really picking up on it. Like something is just deeply off already. Everybody is acknowledging, as you said, that like something's got to give here. And clearly this is a bigger issue than any of them realize. But really, to me, one of the most telling scenes is when it's just Kim and Chris, meaning Chris Humphreys, and Kim is telling him about her fight with Chloe. And he says, well, you already know I hate Chloe, so I'm not going to get involved emotionally. And she goes, I'm not asking you to fight my fight. I'm just asking you to hear me out. He says, I'm hearing you out. And she goes, just don't get emotional. 
He goes, what do you mean? I'm not. I could care less. You think that I care? Here's my advice. Just wait it out. Your sister's is obviously going to be fine. Just give it a week. And in her confessional, Kim says, this is obviously really weighing on me. I go to Chris and he just totally dismisses it. And I don't have anyone to vent to or talk to about this. Okay. Yes, this was a short-lived scene, but this was so telling. Every single line in this is worthy of a discussion, starting from him looking her in the eye and saying, I mean, you already know that I hate Chloe. This is like prime example of, I can say whatever the fuck I want about my sister, but you watch yourself. And Kim is so scared of rocking the boat here and so scared of truly coming to terms with how much she hates her own husband that she doesn't even come back at Chris and say anything about that. I mean, her husband looked her dead in the eye and said, I hate your sister. Not, well, you know me and Chloe have our issues or you know me and Chloe have never really gotten along. Like, you know I hate Chloe. That is one of the craziest things ever. And by the way, here is Chris Humphreys, right? Who does not know that this marriage is going to be over in no less than 20 days. Here is Chris Humphreys thinking that he is really going to stay in this. And he is saying on camera in an episode that (laughs) will go out to millions of people, I hate Chloe. Like in what world? What, What is this guy? Who is he? This was maybe the worst he had been because in all the other times, of course, he was annoying. Of course, he had said things that were really wrong. Of course, there was this way in which he asserted his dominance that was just so disgusting. But this was like straight up evil. Like the way in which he dismissed Kim, the way in which he couldn't have cared less about how she was feeling and whether or not she was upset and what her sister, it was just, it was gross. It was just like mean. And I also think for Kim, talk about isolating. It's like here she's having this issue with Chloe, which on some level subconsciously she knows really isn't an issue with Chloe. And she wants to try to talk to her husband about it, the one person that she should feel unconditionally supported by. And she can't even get from him in this moment what she needs. Then it's like, okay, well, at this point, something's got to change here. Like I think that was maybe one of the lowest she had felt. I think so too. It's also just such a shitty feeling to feel as though your emotions are being dismissed by someone, specifically someone who is supposed to nurture them. Like I would say that being dismissed is up there with one of just the worst things someone can do. And you could watch it. It was like you could see her entire energy just automatically change when he responded in that way. Right. Exactly. Like this was Kim at her lowest, which also set the scene completely for Scott to be able to come in and say something to her because they're, you know, Scott and Courtney are sitting at lunch and Scott's realizing how off Kim is. And he says something to Courtney about like, maybe he needs to say something because it has to come from somebody who's not family or not directly family in order to really have it, you know, set in. And so I think that this conversation with Chris leaving Kim feeling so alone and isolated and dismissed coming at the same time of Scott coming in. And even though he's kind of putting her in her place, he has such a deep understanding of her. It's like, here's the version of Kim that I've known for so many years. Here's the version of you where you are now. And like, there is a disconnect between these two things. And like, I want to solve it. And so I think that Kim went from being really not seen by her husband to really seen by her sister's partner. And like, that was like a huge shock to her. Well, and also the fact that the only person that has fought with Chloe more than Kim is Scott. Like (laughs) Scott has been in direct arguments with every family member as well. So he gets it. He's not, you know, definitely he's not an outsider, but he's also definitely not unfamiliar to, you know, these types of fights. But okay, so this is this is one of the best scenes I would say ever. So they're sitting down and Scott says, I feel like you're in a full blown family feud. And Kim says, who cares? And he's like, listen, this attitude you have is not going to get you far in life because you don't care about anything or anyone anymore. And she goes, I do. I just don't have time. Like, come on, move on. And he goes, what kind of time? You don't have time for your family, your friends, the closest people to you. You got too much going on. You really do. You need to chill for a little bit, take a step back and enjoy your life because you're pissed off at the world for no good reason. She asks why. And he says, you just don't seem that happy anymore. I feel like you just don't care about the stuff you do or say. And what he's saying in his confessional is like, yeah, he's seen Kim in a bad mood, but it's not lasted for more than 10, 15 minutes. And like, she's really taking out her aggression on everyone else. And he says, I just want you to not be negative. She goes, I'm not negative. He goes, okay, well, the way you're talking is very odd. She says, no, it's not. I'm totally good. That's why you guys don't get it. And he says, I feel like you used to be warmer than you are. It's hard to tell your emotions. 
And Kim is just saying that, you know, with everything in life, that's how she is now. And he goes, that's not good though. You used to be the easiest going, sweetest person, and you've grown to be a little bit colder than you used to be. So it's hard for everyone else to take that in. And he's saying in his confessional, he just wishes that Kim would realize that her family is there for her. And if she wants, she could talk to them and try to get through whatever she's going through. And he says, you know, I just want the energy to be decent around here again, which by the way, is also very necessary to this conversation, which is like, aside from Scott having such a good gauge on it because of how involved they are in each other's lives, they're also living together. Like it directly impacts him. They are sharing the same space. So Kim and Chris being in this space, which is then making Kim in this space is directly impacting like Scott and Mason and Courtney's quality of life. Right. I mean, I loved this scene. Scott coming in in this way and just knowing Kim and, you know, being one of the closest people to her during this time period where Kim was just so not herself. I mean, she was married to somebody she never should have been married to in the first place. She was acting in a way that was entirely unfamiliar to them. And I think the way that Scott calls her out is so um, specific to his understanding of her from living together where even Courtney and Chloe couldn't really call attention to Kim in this way because I think that I think that when you're sisters and you've obviously known somebody for their entire life, these patterns and their behavior, I don't think always stick out to you as starkly as somebody who's kind of a little bit newer and has really seen only one version of you so far. And now this version is coming out where, you know, Corny and Chloe had been with Kim through probably a lot of ups and downs. They've probably seen this version of Kim come out during different points in her life when she gets upset or stressed. And so it probably wasn't as jarring to them as it was to Scott. And so Scott's perspective here is just so incredibly understanding to Kim on this journey of like getting out of this marriage. Yeah, it's really unbelievable. I mean, this next scene, which is very brief, it's Kim and Chris in the hotel room and he's trying to talk to her. She's really not giving much. And he says like, why are you acting funny? This is so weird. She's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just eating. And he gets up and walks out because he can sense the energy is so off. And she says in her confessional, you know, Scott's right. Like I've been in a horrible mood. All I can think about is the problems that I'm having. And I just feel really lost. And I feel like I don't know how I've gotten to this point, which is something we've spoken about, you know, with Chloe in that I think those moments kind of really hit her like a ton of bricks of like, holy fuck, how did I get here? And I think for Kim, this is what she was struggling with, which is a deep, almost spiraling of like, what are these life choices that I've been making and and what has been leading me to get to this spot? Because this is not a spot I ever thought I would be in and that I never, ever want to go back to. Right. And it was such an important realization for her to have to then have that conversation with Chloe where she can finally admit what's actually going on. I mean- this is like where we really get into it. This this is the content we've been waiting for. Okay. Kim finally asks Chloe if they can talk. They go into the bedroom. In her confessional, Kim says, I think it's been really tough to keep these feelings in, but I know I just need to take a deep breath and talk to her. And she starts to break down and she says, I feel like I want to apologize to you for being really mean lately. And I think the reason why is I've just been so unhappy in my life. I'm so unhappy and I'm taking it out on everyone and I'm just a different person and I don't like who I am in this marriage. I don't like who I am to him. I don't like who I am to myself. My gut and my heart is telling me that I just did this too fast and I didn't know what I was doing and I feel embarrassed. And Chloe says, I think you both got caught up in the moment. I don't think it's just you. And Kim says, I think I just got caught up in the fairy tale of it and it seems so great and happy, but I just have not been happy. And Chloe says, I just knew your personality has changed and you're even more distant from all of us. And Kim says, I don't know what to do. And I just feel like I've been so mean to everyone and I owe everyone an apology. I just feel like not myself. Chloe's like, yeah, well, you aren't yourself. And in her confessional, Chloe's saying, you know, this is all making sense to me. This is why she's been so mean or so weird or so distant or so not herself. And she's like, I feel really bad because my sister is typically very loving and very personable. And Chloe asks Kim if she knows if Chris is feeling any of this or if he notices. And Kim's like, I think that he definitely notices things are different. And he's not just sitting there thinking everything is fine. But I think he maybe just thinks, you know, it's New York and let's see what happens after. And Chloe says, if you're unhappy, though, or if you feel in your gut, you know you have to do what's best for you. But you also have to understand that being in love is not all rainbows and bunnies every single day. You get annoyed with each other. You want to kill each other. It's human and natural. Do you want to see how things are once you get back to LA? And Kim says, I don't know. And Chloe's like, listen, I love you. I support whatever makes you happy. You don't have to be apologetic. She's like, I can only imagine what this feels like and what you're going through. And in her confessional, Kim says, you know, 
I've been so focused on my relationship with Chris that I've kind of let my relationship with all of my family slide. She's like, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I let my own personal issues get in the way of my relationship with my family. And this is when Kim says to Chloe, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what I want to do, but please don't say anything to Courtney because I want to tell her myself. Which like, this is a huge conversation. Like it just in the course of Kim Kardashian's life, this one five minute scene with Chloe is so fucking pivotal. I mean, that moment where she says she doesn't know if she wants to figure this out back in LA is huge. I mean, because that's where we leave off in the season finale, which we're obviously not there yet, but we're very close to it. But, you know, it's one thing to realize that there are issues in your marriage. It's another thing to say, like, I don't even think I want to work on them. And I think that was the moment that Chloe knew, like, oh, this is this is really serious. And I think that was also the moment where Kim finally admitted to herself, like, it's not just me sitting in the car with my mom saying, like, is this normal? It's not just, you know, me kind of taking these things out on other people. It's not just me feeling really annoyed. It's like me having this realization that, like, this marriage isn't going to work and I have no intention on trying to make it anymore. I know. That was when, you know, Chloe asked her, do you want to see what happens when you get back to LA? She was not saying yes. Like, she knew. She knew. And first she said it out loud to Chris in Dubai. It started to get her thinking. It, it got her to the point where she couldn't even fake it anymore with Chris. Like that scene we see before this one, it was, you know, when you were just like, forget about being annoyed with someone's presence. It's like you literally cannot exist in your own body. You feel like you're crawling out of your skin, just breathing the same air as them. Like that was happening. It was undeniable. She she couldn't fake it anymore. And so then it was that. She already said it to Chris. She just said it to Chloe. Like it, he was a goner. His days were limited. Yeah. I, it, yeah. It's so, I mean, it's this was so crazy. Nuts. It was crazy. It was crazy. I am like so excited for what we're about to get into. I forgot how good this gets. Like, you know, some of these episodes have been such fluff. We start out with fucking Scott buying the piano for the Gansevoort and we end up with Chloe and Kim having this like deeply emotionally intense conversation. And I just, I know we're in for some really good shit and I am so glad to be on this ride. The way I feel about the fluff in these seasons though, is that like, you know, when we talk about it in terms of recapping it, it's like the fluff is nothing. But as I'm watching these episodes, it's literally everything. Like Scott going in and buying a baby grand piano to put in their hotel room for the sole purpose of it looking rich because he literally doesn't even know how to play. And then taking one lesson, having a full recital in a tuxedo just to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is like, that is prime Scott Disick. That is a version of Scott Disick we will never get again. And I am so thankful that we have that like on record. I know, but that's what we always say, like that there's such a difference between an amazing episode to watch and then an amazing episode to recap. It's like, I could watch that with you all fucking day, but we're not making any intelligent points on that. I know, I know. But I could, by the way. Like, like let me and I could, but we don't need to. <laughs> Oh my God, this is so good. Okay, well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. We are really getting into the thick of it. And I know the people that listen to these episodes, specifically when Kardashians is not in season, is less than the people that listen when they are in season. But if you're here, you are a real one. And we appreciate you being on this ride with us. And we love you and we'll see you next week.